you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The Around the NFL Podcast. Took your mom to prom and never called her back. Oh, welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name's Dan Hansis. Come to you from a virtual room still filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, Matt Money Smith. With the call right there. The voice of God for the Around the NFL podcast. This is a Monday program, boys. How about that? Why? A little bit of news went down in the NFL. News that uh, involves a future Hall of Fame wide receiver. Uh, Seth Dog feels like something we should uh, move up the clock on and have a conversation, right? Yeah. You know, the news broke on Sunday, uh, you know, late morning, uh, California time. And um, soon after the texts arrived, like, I think we need to move the show up to Monday. And, you know, Mondays in general, I think are, we've, we've agreed. Um, we're a little bit, maybe not high motor, um, but we're having to be this morning. And there's, there's a reason for it. <laughs> Big news. Like that, like, and it's June. And you know what? I remember some Junes where like, you're in a, you're sort of, you know, in, you could be sleeping in the back of your car. Not, nothing would happen for two weeks. I mean, it has just been day after day of like NFL drama and stuff. Mm. So here we go. One more, most, one more most like wives or significant others would be like, hey, where's my husband? But actually, in, in Mark's case, Simone would be just like, oh, it's just Mark. Um, She's like, maybe he's maybe he's in the car somewhere. Maybe <laughs> not, but he'll come back eventually. Eventually, he always comes home. Uh, yes. Uh, Julio Jones. He's been moved in a trade and thinking about this or, you know, and that's going to be kind of the focus of the show. We're going to hit some news, <clears throat> but we're going to have a nice conversation about Julio. And it's like. Think about it. It's like, what are we here for? If you're an NFL team, what are you here for? What What are you, you trying to win the game? Yes, mm. yes, Herm. What are you trying to do? Like, what's the point of the 24-7, 365 enterprise that is running? Hello? You play to win the game. Yes, Herm, but it's not just win the game. It's win the Super Bowl. Win the damn Super Bowl. Get to the big game. Win that one, Herm. Maybe that's why the Jets didn't win with you. Although I did enjoy the Herm Edwards experience on balance. Um, and that's why I love what the Tennessee Titans did. They acquire Julio Jones um, in exchange for a likely late second-round pick. They also get a fourth-round pick. A sixth-round pick goes back uh, to the Titans as well from the Falcons. The Falcons take all that money that they owe Julio, send it over to Nashville. It's now the Titans business and business is booming. Greg, when you have Julio Jones and now AJ Brown together, that's nice. And that's a team, Greg, that says we're there. We're there. There's not many AFC teams that are in Super Bowl contention. When you look at it on paper, the Titans say we're right there. We're going for it. Gotta love the move. I do, and I especially like it in this weekend AFC South that we've talked about this offseason, where every team you could maybe make the argument took a step back. And if the Titans can go ahead and win this division, I think this move is a nice step toward doing it. 
then you have a home game to start the playoffs and the Titans have already shown us like what, what can happen when you get there. Brable's had a winning record every year. He's not about like taking a step back. He's nine and seven, nine and seven, 11 and five last year. I think their defense on paper, uh, Looks pretty good. Like they haven't been able to transition to it on the field, but the moves they made on paper on defense this offseason made sense. The moves on offense didn't make any sense. Uh, they looked worse on offense, but suddenly you put Julio Jones and AJ Brown together. They are two of the top five receivers in each of the last uh, two years in terms of uh, yards per route run. So basically two of the most efficient receivers in the entire NFL. And suddenly Josh Reynolds, who the Titans were trying to talk us up as like, hey, we got him from the Rams. We kind of like him uh, as a starter. Hey, Anthony Ferkser, he's actually played pretty well when he's given the chance at tight end. They each moved down in the pecking order. And then when when you're trying to sell Josh Reynolds to me as number three, okay, I'm buying that. When you're trying to sell Ferkser matching up against some inside linebacker because you're so worried about A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the outside – okay, I can buy that. And suddenly I do like this team because I like Julio so much and think he's still playing at such a high level as the favorite in the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and also, you know, arrow up on Derrick Henry because the way the offense looked 24 hours ago before this trade, we were concerned. I mean, we mentioned, like you said, Greg, in, in your projected starters piece, like they had lost Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, who combined for about 100 catches and 1,400 yards last year. Well, I mean, that's what, essentially Julio Jones and yardage has, has averaged mm. every year outside of last season. And what team faced Good more point. That's, eight that's man boxes? We were doing around the, the, around the horn right now. Reality would, would give you a couple. You'd go like I get one, a little two, point three. there. How I you replace the whole statistics like smoothly like with that. Julio. That was good. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, and, I mean, I think also we were probably <laughs> concerned about Derrick Henry, you know, in terms of overall his workload, it's like, when is that going to come back to haunt him at some point? But the way that you attack the Titans was just basically like, Go up against go up against Derrick Henry, and if you stopped him when he ran for like less than 115 yards last year, they were three and five. <clears throat> so it looked like that was more that was there was more of an uh, an, an avenue to do that now. But now, if you're going to go stack the box against Derrick Henry, what are you doing with AJ Brown? What are you doing with Julio Jones? I mean, it just becomes an absolute nightmare. And I do th- love this about the Titans. Some teams sort of say we are this, and yeah, maybe you are, but it doesn't show up on paper. The Titans basically say we want to be huge physical and destroy you. Julio Jones is 6'3", 220. AJ Brown is 6'1", 226. Derrick Henry, 6'3", 247, and coming at you 10,000 miles an hour. I mean, this is who the Titans are. And now suddenly we have no concerns about their offense. It turns them into a legit Super Bowl threat in, mm. in a division that I think they can probably have their record elevated because there's a bunch of trash bags in there. There is, of course, the concern you need Julio Jones to stay healthy. He did not stay healthy last year, but Greg, as you pointed out last week, that was the first year he's missed extensive action in years and years, but he's also a year older. So it's not like a, from the standpoint of, will the Titans definitely be better? I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far because you still lost Arthur Smith. Um, you still lost Janu Smith. Obviously, Corey Davis is not close to Julio Jones um, when Julio Jones is on the field, uh, but to me, that's what it comes down to. Because I think even if the offensive scheme maybe isn't as explosive as it was or or the mind uh, cooking it up isn't at Smith's level, you're still going to now have this awesome talent here and a dynamic duo that you could put up against anyway. But it's one of those things like in June, this is the perfect trade. And the fact that you didn't have to give up a first rounder. And I guess that report that, that surfaced last weekend that they had a first round pick trade offer in hand uh, the Falcons was all baloney, um, but we'll see. Maybe, we'll maybe someone was saying guy. they would give up a first, and but you have to send a second back, which would be a bad job withholding that from the first report. But that's what I'm guessing, it, and like, probably and, and probably pay for part of Julio Jones's contract. Or it was just, or, or it was, was just instead, since there's no GM app, they they just floated that out in the wind, hoping <laughs> yeah. another team would get sucked into it and get into the derby and surrender a first round pick. But uh, that's that's my only kind of hesitation like the yellow light it's a great move i love that they went for it and are aggressive here tennessee uh but will he be that guy will we see them on the field these two titan wide receivers i meant titan like great players but they're also they are titans yes um so i hope we get 17 games of that that's where you just got to cross your fingers and hope for some luck There, there is some concern that julio jones has rarely practiced in the last three years. So that's a fair point. Like he has shown up on Sundays. He's always questionable. He never practices. I don't know if these NFL teams are at all concerned about 
he's been quoted in the past being like, I'm not really an off season weights guy. You know, I only lift weights when they make me to during the season. He obviously is a well-conditioned athlete that works out and is ready to play football at an extremely high level because that's all he's ever done. Uh, but for him, you know, he hasn't been like Tom Brady, TB12. He's, he basically says he only you know, lifts weights when they make him to. I don't know if there's some concern that he's not going to age well. I do think there has to be just inherently a human motivation to make this work when you get to Tennessee. Not that he wouldn't be motivated in Atlanta, but he's in a new spot. Uh, A.J. Brown pushed to get him there, and he has to be thinking, like, I want to set up the next contract. Because there's a couple more things I do want to talk about with Julio, but one of them is the money. And I I think it's been misunderstood that, like, oh, you got to take on Julio's contract. Okay, you got to have the room to take it on this year. But everyone should understand, Julio Jones has an incredibly good contract to take on. Now, he might want more money. That's, I think, going to be a problem down the line and is probably why some teams were hesitant. But for this year, unless he's insisting on new money this year, he's due $15 million this year. That's it. Like you look around the league and who's making $15 million or more at wide receiver. Julio Jones is better than most of them. Like that's the type of money Sammy Watkins was making uh, on the open market. That's not much more than Corey Davis and Nelson Aguilar were making on the open market. It's a little more. And then in the two years after this one, he's making significantly less and that contract looks amazing. So worst case, if you're the Titans, uh, you either have to pay him more money when the cap goes up or it doesn't work out and he'll he's very easy to get rid of or he's possibly tradable again. And I, I don't think the money part of it, if you can absorb him this year, was a, should be a negative at all. That was part of the discussion I didn't totally understand. Unless you're Atlanta, who had kind of boxed themselves in a corner and, and were in a bad spot. Right, because I think it's correct. Like what, you know, I guess the premise of our show a lot of times is cap space. Let's not over worry about it. But Atlanta was one of those That's teams. That's premise that, of me. You can go against that. Well, you no, know? You because I think I think that take your claim times, as Mister Cap Space. No, it's just not. It's just not. It's not like all teams. Atlanta absolutely was in a terrible situation. And you know Arthur Smith, who shares the same agent as Julio Jones, I would imagine oh. knew to some degree what he was dealing with when he came into this situation, or or maybe he didn't. But it shouldn't have been a huge surprise that Julio Jones probably wasn't totally happy with the Falcons. That was a big part of the reason he got moved. But they were the one team that absolutely could not hold on to his contract. And, I, and that's mismanagement. And that, to me, says the Falcons, like, you know, look, at this should not have happened this way. I mean, they get, a, they get an F grade for me. I, if you need to move on from a player at some point, they, they were in a tough spot, this new regime. But to get here and to have them inherit this, um, to me, is just a disastrous exit for Julio Jones. Mm. I don't think, if it, were, if it worked out and Julio Jones um, helped the Titans get to the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl, it's not that different than the Raiders trading Randy Moss to the Patriots for a fourth rounder. It just isn't. I mean, to me, like the regret for the Falcons, if you're a Falcons fan, is like, it's not like it didn't have to happen. Like, I remember reading the article that they could have made some other roster moves and and found a way. Right, there you go. Grady Jarrett and just maybe worked out an extension with him that spread out his cap. And then all of a sudden you, you can survive. And then you get this opportunity to have your own big two with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. And, of course, the Kyle Pitts, the dynamic rookie tight end, everybody can't stop talking about. So they have that option. But, like, when Steve Weiss, who obviously, you know, covers the Falcons, so he, he's plugged in on this. It wasn't just about money. It just seemed like a marriage that had run its course, and he was Julio there a long out. time. Julio wanted out. So yeah. they, there were there were kind of layers to this. My other thought, like, again, it's a slam dunk for the Titans. But when I do, when you look at his contract, this is his final year of that deal the extension he signed in 2019. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So this could be, if you're a Titans fan and you're pinching yourself and you can't wait to see him on the field, there is a, there's a chance this is a one year rental situation too. Like if, if he, cause if for a wide receiver, that's going to be 33 next February. Um, if he has a huge season, I, I guess you, you're going to hold on to him. If he's kind of in between, they're in a situation where they might think, okay, this isn't somebody we want to do more business with and you either move on or maybe you tag and trade. I don't know. But I think there is, to me, like a coin flip chance that he's a one-year Titan. I think that's in play here too. It's possible. Even that possibility, I think, is worth the risk and is one of the reasons why I think trading for these veterans is is 
a different way to team build that I think is still undervalued in today's NFL because the Titans weren't the only team that could have done it. The Ravens could have found a way. The Patriots could have found a way. They reportedly just didn't want to pay the money. Um, the 49ers could have found a way if they want. And I, I think there's this idea on draft day that these picks aren't that valuable. Teams will just give up whatever whatever for these picks when it's for a rookie. But when it gets into the offseason, they go crazy. I, you know, I, I tweeted about the Jets, how they traded two-thirds to move up nine spots for Elijah Vera Tucker. Jets fans got it twisted that I was picking on them. He just was like the latest in example. I was thinking of using Javante Williams, which the Broncos – uh, you know, traded a fourth to move up five spots in the second round. Or you could use the Eagles who traded a third to the Cowboys to move up two spots in the first round. You could go a million different examples. Marcus Davenport, when the Saints moved up, you know, two first to go up 13 spots. Like people do remember that one. And yet you, no one wants to give up a, a late first for Julio Jones. Everyone's afraid. Like, it's right. groupthink, and it's, it's it's the off season too. It's, it's like they they have these rookies that they fall in love with on draft day, but when it gets to the off season, they just don't want to give it up. I it's, view I view like the draft sort of as like when you um when you're just roaming around town, you'd spend like six dollars on a beer, but when you're stuck in an airport, you'll happily pay fourteen dollars for a beer yes, because that's, that's the only the way to get it. Analogy. And it's like the draft <laughs> the draft circle like puts people into a frenzy. And a little bit of a draft note. I mean, Peter King talked that the Patriots did not really have serious interest in Julio Jones, but this is the same team where in, in April, Albert Breer reported that Bill Belichick ignored team scouts who wanted to take A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel and took Nikhil Harry instead. So, I mean, in a set, I, I don't quite me. know what is going on with the Patriots <laughs> and, and wide the, receivers. But. What did the Patriots give up for most new? Second round pick was the, the top right. of that. It's getting a little was, wacky. So he's got he's got a little bit of a blind spot here at wide receiver. There was the report years ago that he didn't love Julio Jones as a prospect coming into the league either. Uh, yeah, I think like I was listening to a podcast recently and there it was Barack Obama was talking about how he had ascended to the highest office in the land. He was the leader of the free world now. He was the president. And he figured as he went up the the ladder of life and and achieved this great position, he was going to get and find smarter people and people that were like dynamic in all levels. And what he found was that like, no, that's not really how it works. People move up the ladder, but you're still you're not dealing with just because you're at the top of your field or the top of the world in the, this global politics game. You're not going to be surrounded by genius. And I, I, I'm i not like taking taking the, the, the piss out of the GMs of the world, but like. Some of these guys just like, no, we, we're not going to do this because nobody else does this. And I think there's some a group think that kind of invades the way these organizations run their operation. And it ends up killing them because I think in three or four months, if Julio stays healthy and he's Julio, and I think, you know, there's a chance this is going to happen. And he's going to have a big year here. Teams are going to be kicking themselves. The teams like the Ravens, the teams like the Rams. Jalen Ramsey had this. He tweeted this. This is all it took for a generational guy, and we were out of the Julio sweepstakes. Uh, he tweeted on Sunday, wow, we would have been unstoppable for real with all them weapons, LOL. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be thinking that if Jones is a superstar this year. Well, that's why it reminds me of Randy Moss a little bit too, because his stock was really low because he was stuck on a bad Raiders team. And I think there was a lot of like, all these teams are so concerned. I get, look at number one, the, this offseason cap scenario was tougher for some teams. But anyone can make it work out of like out of like outside of like maybe five or six teams if they really wanted to. And on top of it, there was this over concern about Julio Jones's health. I mean, last year, yes, he missed a bunch of games. When he played, he was excellent. And if you really go back, to, as we've mentioned, you go back through the years, he hasn't missed as much time as sort of general perceptions seem to suggest. I mean, he's one of the toughest, grittiest, most badass guys out there. And like he kind of fits perfectly with the Titans, and I think that's why it's <laughs> you a play to win the Super Bowl. Right. And that, that's what. Don't worry about two years down the line, three years right. down the line. You just added this guy who could win you a Super Bowl, and other teams should have been harder in on this. I would have given if I was a team that figured I'm going to have a late first round pick. Uh, if you're the Rams, well, no, the Rams never have first round picks. Well, that's the thing, Jalen Ramsey picking on the Rams. I mean, they've traded. Well, all their picks, I, yeah, so they were. That's they were it gets a, a little spot. tricky for the the Rams. They're they're a bad example, but maybe. Uh, I don't know, throw a team out there that should have been Patriots. in this derby. The Patriots. Patriots are Ravens, Do I it. think. Were too. They should have done it. Pull the trigger. The yep. AFC feels, and I, the Chiefs maybe came have come down a little bit here, 
the AFC feels especially wide open right now, and uh, the Titans got a lot better. They did, and the Ram- it's funny Ramsey brings up the Rams because I think the Rams are a little bit at the forefront of thinking about these issues of like what's worth more, a late first round pick or a veteran hand in the bush. I like the Stefan Diggs trade has sort of slipped under the radar as an unbelievable transaction, which really is similar to the Julio Jones and no one picks on the Vikings for it. And it's, it's not about picking on the Vikings because they drafted Justin Jefferson. It's more just like they knew how good Stefan Diggs was when they traded for him. That's the whole thing of trading for the veterans. That's why I think the Rams, the Eagles, the Patriots have, have traded more for veterans in general, you should have less risk. And I think about the Brandon Cooks trades, which you could say worked out okay for both the Patriots. I was going to say there's been the 20 Rams. Brandon Cooks trades. I so know that's yeah, the thing, <laughs> but I, I, that, that almost, I think proves the wisdom of doing them because maybe they weren't total home runs, but Cooks helped both the teams he landed on make a Super Bowl, Patriots Rams, you know, and play well. And they still got in, in, but it wasn't like a thing where you felt like you wanted to keep them forever. And you know what? They both got a pretty good draft pick when they traded them away. So it's like they, they both ended up recouping some of that loss. They got a lot of value out of cooks, you, you know, and they, and you move on. Whereas these late first round picks, I keep quoting it. Mike Sando did the research. 40% of them don't get their fifth round option, which is about what we would think. Like a late first round pick, you're going to, sw- you're going to miss about half the time. And so you fall in love with these guys. Um, but you're going to miss half the time. And a year or two of Julio Jones, to me, is worth more than the chance that you're missing half the time on these picks. Yeah, it does put a little bit of pressure because it's Todd Downing taking over the offense. He was with the Titans, you know, the last two seasons. And he sort of said, look, I'm not looking to recreate something different than what Arthur Smith has done. But his one year as an offensive coordinator was with the coming off of the playoffs Raiders in 2017 under Jack Del Rio, they finished 23rd in offense and the entire staff got fired. So I'm not saying that's on Todd Downing, but it's going to be, you know, look at, you have to like, the, the one I thing I that find out of my memory, I did not, I cannot, I cannot remember what happened in that. Too. I guess Derek. Well, Carr, I mean, they that were, was right before Gruden. Was that? Yeah, they were yes. six and yeah. 10 yeah. and they were a hot yeah. mess. Yeah, like, nobody was, remembers. Were, yeah, that is. They were inflated memory all off season and then they were a complete <laughs> hot mess. And it's like, yeah. I'm not saying that, that Todd Downing can't do it, but it's interesting to me that Arthur Smith, of all people, shipped Julio Jones back to the Titans where, Arthur, where, there's, where there's an Arthur Smith-sized void calling plays. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. I'm looking at like the Raiders. Like from... It was more that, that Downing was like calling the plays. I guess Del Rio, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't really remember like a lot of eight around the NFL discussion being like, hey, what's Downing doing with no, these there three wasn't. wide receiver sets? Not a lot of Downing talk that year. There wasn't. You know? The whole team kind of just combusted. <laughs> Sometimes you forget that Jack Del Rio, uh, you know, presided over a 12 and four Raiders team in 2016. Yeah, I mean, as um, every once in a while, I feel like someone associated with Del Rio or something that points out that like his record was better with the Raiders than, you know, Gruden's was. So it's, it's not crazy. Well, yeah. well, he had the 12 and four, but then his sandwich, it was seven, nine and six and 10. And then it was like, yeah. peace. And now the, the John Gruden era, what is, what a, what a scene. All right. Anyway, forget about that. There you go. Titans <laughs> fans are excited. The Titans long gone, long gone. Well, they're, we they're going to be in primetime more. So I do like it for the average fan. I did look at this. The Falcons were buried anyways. The, they weren't getting any uh, any pop this season with Julio. So now if the Titans are going to be in primetime, which they are a little more. Okay, now it's I, I like the fact we get the Julio instead. What of about your, your quiet, not so quiet doubts about Ryan Tannehill, true star? Is, is, that, is this now somewhat... Is that put on the back burner? Wait, I have those. Yeah, you have a little. You have some quibble about should we actually view Tannehill as a guy to trust year after year at this point? We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. This helps. I mean, there are there are like the QB gurus like Nate Tice who we've had on. I would love to get a little more thoughts on this. That he thinks he kind of thinks Tannehill is still like one read. Uh, maybe I'll get to my second read or I'll freak out. And it's very, you know, it's very scheme Damn. and play calling dependent, but it, you know what? It's worked incredibly well. So that you can't argue with the results and this will help keep. I mean, it is interesting that Julio Jones, basically there was the whispers that he wants to go somewhere where the quarterback is one of the established, you know, top five deep passers in the league. And Tannehill is middle of the pack. He's not, you know, mm. a nightmare and he's not the best. I mean, he's this been me, up really well too. 
This reminds me, I had Erica uh, cut a clip of AJ Brown, uh, who was showing a personality I really hadn't seen before, speaking this Julio Jones trade into existence weeks and weeks ago. Let's let's listen to AJ a bit. Then me, I'm up and coming, Pro Bowl year two, not a big deal, kind of a big deal, but not really. Okay, scratch that. Anyway, whatever. You, the goat of our era, the of our receivers, help me help you. Come home, Julio. Come home. <laughs> I mean, you that, know they're texting. Come on, they, that <laughs> was like, like they're close friends. Like that was, that. you know, I cut off part of the thing because it it didn't make sense out of context. But it was him standing in front of also like or or sitting in front of a, a fan made. Uh, image of Tannehill and he starts like pumping up Tannehill as the man and a leader and that you don't even need to talk about Derrick Henry because he's got the meanest face ever and you add Julio to that mix and they're the meanest like four pack in the league I like that I like a little AJ Brown uh, puffing his chest out and making it happen yeah I like that some good personality there from AJ all right Uh, that's that let's hit the rest of the news hit it Ricky What a great time had by all at uh, Hansa's Manor on Sunday. A little bit belated because the great Lakeisha Jackson Wesling had been traveling, uh, but we celebrated Link's first birthday with a surprise party. Lakeisha thought she was just coming over uh, for a swim at the pad here, and instead it was a full-on uh, party for, you know, it was, it was tight. It was everybody, ATN podcast, everybody connected to the show. Um, and we're obviously like a family uh, brought closer by the tragedy with Wes. Uh, and to have us all together and to celebrate Link and Lakeisha, that was nice. That was a nice Sunday. Well, I'm still recovering. Not, let's not drop the ball on um, Dan's new place, which is sort of out of a Californian dream. I mean, I, you know, our kids, like, I don't know about you, Greg, but our kids don't have a, like a lot of pool time and you've got a wonderful pool. And like, they just had the time of the life. And I'm looking over and like, Jack and Harry are like wrestling in the pool, like two uh, WWF like <laughs> youngsters and like Luke and Colton sitting next to them and Ellis. And I just walk her. I just thought like the, watching the six of them together was kind of cool. Like they're interacting all day long. I mean, it was a lot of there was a lot of parental um, supervision going on as well. But um, it was a fantastic time. No, they were in the pool the whole time. You say you're feeling it today. Dan Walker's feeling it today. I think it's like four hours in the pool in the sun. <laughs> I, I don't know. He hasn't been the same quite since, but uh, he had a blast. It, I'm glad you mentioned um, Harry and Jack. It, you know, we, we can get to some other issues if you want. But I did love this moment where we saw them i mean they get after each other and you guys just you allow it because you trust them and that's great because it seems like they take care of themselves but yeah there was a um a sequence where one of them was choking the other and then they kissed on the lips like very shortly thereafter which was, <laughs> we it was were, like that was brotherhood it was amazing we were sitting there and we're talking and colleen was talking about something else and she goes our dance boys kissing in the hot tub <laughs> and they were like strangling each other and then it was very very sweet it was, it was so great i mean they are i i grew up i was a middle child and i'm almost six years older than my my brother kevin danger uh so there wasn't that type of closeness i mean my brother and i are very close but it's different when they're jack is my oldest is six and harrison is four so like they really are. Um, they're almost like they, they're like twins. I know, Mark, you know, you know, it's a similar thing with Luke and Colton. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yes, the whole thing is you watch over them. You make sure it's not turning to a place where they're actually mad at each other because you don't want wrestling and water at any time uh, when there's actual fearsomeness. But it's just like two bros just going at it, enjoying their company. And I, I, I give them a little bit of rope for that reason. Yeah, and so you know, sooner than later, Link will be uh, will be jumping in that pool because I've never seen uh, a one year old with uh, the dexterity, the ability <laughs> to move, dance moves. He's got he can r- run around. He's very like with it. Doesn't um, is very chill. So I, he's a very advanced uh, one year old. Lincoln wrestling. Good appetite too. Eating like slices of pizza. You know, <laughs> a lot going on. It was awesome. It was awesome, and I am recovering, but it was very nice. Um, to get everyone together and celebrate the Westlings. Okay, let's hit the rest of the news before uh, we say goodbye. 
the Green Bay Packers, they're dealing with it. It's been a rough offseason for this organization. And uh, Mark Murphy, who's the team president, remember, there's no owner. It's a team that is there's shareholders, and then you could actually even buy a frame with a certificate that says you're a part owner of the team. That's a nice little thing. Uh, what Mark would definitely do if it was the Browns. He would absolutely have that, one. Are those still available? Game. I feel like that was like a one – a one-time thing. Or I don't can you just listen. Like go on from the website. Packers I mean, you can just make your own. Pay. And be just as valuable. So think about this, Greg. If Packers fans, and I know many of them, are willing to pay three hundred bucks or whatever it is. They're going to keep uh, offering it. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's well, a, I believe our. I could we, be we wrong, but with, yeah, we worked with Jim Reinekin at NFL.com. Rhino, who was a Packers fan, and he had a he had a shareholders um, certificate. In a frame, and that was less than that wasn't too many years ago. So I think it's it's a money maker. So anyway, I remember that the Celtics used to legitimately be a publicly traded company, which is which is a bar to think of. But I don't. That's that's not true anymore. That would be fun to just like have stock in your favorite team. So like within their structure, team president, that's where it's at. Mark Murphy, he has a monthly mailbag column on the Packers website, which yes is on my radar. I don't like when people try to roll into the business with relevant mailbags that break news. I don't like that <laughs> because it's coming in on my turf. I'm battling an internal war when I when I ask for mailbag questions and everyone's like, what do you think about Mark's thoughts about UFOs? Do you think he's for real? Do you think he would follow the aliens? I'm like, no, ask me about the Julio Jones trade. It's affecting my mailbag. I have a bit of a mailbag crisis going on right now. Um, even not though the I love same level of breaking news for you to expound on that. Topic. But Murph over here in Green Bay, nice if job. You are on you. an island, and uh, <laughs> there's CDs there, but you could kill Mark. Which would you take? I don't know. It's like, where should the next NFL team move if they were to leave America? It's like, all right. <laughs> Sorry, love you guys. Anyway, all right, Murphy. He addressed the situation with Aaron Rodgers, who obviously is unhappy. Nobody knows if he's going to turn up at OTAs, mandatory camp, I should say. So here's what he said uh, in his mailbag. The situation we face with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. The emails and letters that I've received reflect this fact. Now, uh, Murphy also added uh, that, you know, they still believe that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have a future together. Greg, I know how these things get as we all do, how these things get twisted around. You could read that line that he's divided our fan base and be like, oh man, it's the divorce, it's it's happening. But it's really just speaking, it's just a, a fact. Like the fans have is two sets. Yeah, that's all it is, right? Is there anything to this? feels like a nothing burger. It, it maybe is. First of all, they don't seem that divided. I think most of them are on the Aaron Rodgers side, although I'm, I'm sure mm. a lot of them are upset. Mm, they, well, they, well, they want they want the team to work it out and for Rodgers to stay, whether they're happy with maybe they are divided in terms of like their happiness. But it's not no one is saying, let's trade him. Let's get rid of this bum. That that's a pretty small segment. But I'm glad I wanted to do this because. Not only did it come from a mailbag, which it would seem like this was very purposeful. He hasn't said anything publicly about it much. And he was just like, he had the choice to mention it. I, I want to read you the, the quote unquote question. Exactly. I love this. Go. That he answered um, this too. His name was Ken. And this is the entire quote. You have done a great job. Don't let the bastards drag you down. Washington needs a name. I suggest the generals. <laughs> what it was that such was an non sequitur it had nothing to do with uh, aaron Rodgers at all i think he was responding to the part where it was like don't let the haters drag you down and that he assumed is about Rodgers, and and that's fine but the, it was a weird spot that he was like looking was for this in from from ken to go in on this uh rogers thing and then this is where um i i appreciate mike florio taking the time to go through the whole mailbag um, cause I hadn't, and, uh, he did know, and I think it was a good point, my did. old boss. He did know how also in that mailbag, he really pumped up, uh, Jordan love and really mentioned, uh, what a great relationship, um, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst had and really pumped up Brian Gutekunst. So if, I think if you kind of add all those answers together, it does become a little bit of, uh, newsworthy to me that he's trying to like put this PR spin out there. Well, here is the line that he had on Goodekutz. I must tell you, I have tremendous confidence in Goody. 
That's me using Goody. In his relatively short tenure as RGM, he has completely turned around the fortunes of our team. That's in the same. That's graphs after the situation we faced with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. It sounds to, yeah. they've got their back up a little bit. They've but got Dan, their that, back up a little bit to the national criticism. Right, but Dan, see, maybe that's what you should do with your mailbag. You get a question that's just about something totally arcane that you're not into, and just answer it the way you want to. That, that's what he did, and I think <laughs> that's sort of next level mailbagging. Um, no, he's Murphy is putting everybody in the mailbag industry on notice, and uh, <laughs> I honestly, that's that's uh, iron sharpens iron. That whole thing. Sure. Um, I ultimately I respect him for what he's done here. Yeah, and good for Mark Murphy. So basically, he's going out there and he's saying he's letting people know he's using this mailbag as the method to let the fans know I'm not going to be bullied by the superstar quarterback. We're not going to fire the GM to make this guy happy. Uh, we're digging our heels in a little bit. And again, it just seems like they're daring Rodgers to retire. And and I don't think they do that if they uh, they don't buy it. They think he's going to play. And this has all just been, um, you know, kind of ugly theater if you're a Packers fan or in the organization. It's uncomfortable. But I don't think they're going to – they think that Rodgers is going to call their bluff and not show up. I think – Right. Think he's and he's not coming back. to minicamp this week, by the way. We need to stop these, like, breathless reports. Is he going to – you know, I know we need to fill time. But he's not coming this week. Apparently the receivers are, so that's that's nice for, for Jordan Love. And we'll uh, we'll find out some more as we get you know, closer to the training camp. And it just, I, a couple people tweeted at me, and I think you guys too, that we were talking about the money lost that could all be gained back in – um, I guess negotiations and people said it with under the terms of the new CBA, you, there's no way to get out of the, the fines you pay. I guess there's still yeah, loopholes I mean, for it not to be an issue, but right at the same time, it's still, point. it's sorry, it, it's pennies. It's pennies on, uh, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to be a reason. It, it is interesting because, like, Peter King suggested, number one, he basically said in his column this morning that he would bet Rodgers today is solid on never playing for the Packers again. Um, he also talked about the idea that there could be a scenario because of the $6.8 million roster bonus that he got in March and not having to give that back or whatever, fight over that, and his salary and everything else, that maybe the Packers would come up with a scenario where both sides agree that Rodgers would play this season under the, you know, the, the concept that he would be openly traded next year to a team of his choice, that they'd play good for one year and give sort of a more, little bit more of a runway for Jordan Love to become the starter um, and play him as much as they could when they had big leads or if they were getting buried in a game. I mean, that feels a little too friendly for what's going on here, but um, right. that I guess that's like one a, possibility. Yeah, that seems it seems like a bad idea, and it doesn't seem like the that energy around that would be awful. It, it wouldn't satisfy anyone. Everyone would be a little unhappy, I feel like, with that compromise, yeah. especially the fans if they knew about it. In other news juan james is not happy with the denver broncos the offensive tackle has filed a 15 million grievance against his former team the broncos um at the same time he has also agreed to a new contract with the baltimore ravens uh the 29 year old suffered a season-ending achilles injury in a workout away from the facility last month he had been guaranteed 10 million for the 2021 season but because the injury took place off-site it was designated a non-football injury that means the Broncos could say, uh-uh, we're not paying his salary. They then released him. Now in this grievance, Greg James wants the $10 million and he wants $5 million for the 2022 season. Um, so there you go. A little bit ugly the way this thing has turned out for James. Yeah, it'll be a precedent for players working out off-site in the off-season in general, he's also saying that the Broncos maybe didn't have the right COVID protocols and that was a reason and that you're only working out off-site because you're doing what you were told to do when you were on-site. We'll see. It just could have some impact on how these off-seasons go. It's not like a hugely fascinating story. I was f- shocked, though, that the Ravens um, signed him. That was really interesting. They decided to pay him half a million dollars this year that they didn't have to. Um, to basically rehab at their facility mm-hmm. and so that they could have them under contract for next year for $8 million. That had almost no risk to them. So yeah, I think it was kind of a shrewd, creative, clever yeah. move by them because now they have him next year. And if he if he doesn't look great in next offseason, they'll probably just cut him anyways. But now they have a, a tackle to replace uh, Orlando Brown potentially on top of uh, Ali Villanueva. I think um, 
Like to me, the most impressive athlete in football right now is Mark's boy, Miles Garrett. I mean, the guy's just a freak. Uh, he's he's a Martian. And when you see him doing those like three sixty windmill jams in pickup games, it's like if I, I don't know about you, Mark, but like uh, let's take it easy on the court, there, buddy. I you worry well, about what these guys are doing when they're working out on their own time because you know the effects. He's, can be he, last year he was or last week he was essentially um, told by the coaching staff your your basketball career is over for this offseason at least. Um, and you know Miles Garrett for as good as he looked at times last year said he was never really better than about 60% um, health-wise after that COVID thing, which I know that, you know, that was totally uh, poo-pooed on this show. But, I mean, some players... By who? Not by not By Dan. Us. Dan would, really? Dan never really took that seriously. I it's mean, like, I don't he think, was you know, struggling to breathe, he said. Yeah. I, I don't, this right, is totally right, right. separate, but how much nice. would you pay watching, the, you know, those Miles Garrett basketball clips are great. Um, how much would you pay? No, I was going to say to watch, like, I like, or how much uh, would you need to just like take a charge from Miles Garrett? That's so I like, crazy. I, <laughs> I, was I would just like about to like to watch. The same thing. I would like to watch basically a video of me, but not have to go through it, or a video of Mark, just like kind of like standing underneath and take a charge from a, a you know a bullying Miles Ma- Garrett running down the floor. You just got to take it in the chest, like. I do it for very low money just to have the video of it and be able to tell people what happened to me. No, I need at least a hundred bucks for that. At least. Well, let's put this, let's say if I were severely injured that he would pay for, you know, for me to be fixed on whatever (laughs) level I need to be fixed. He would not. That's not part of the deal. No, that's not part of it. You got to well, take I don't, the risk. That, that's not it. I'm not entering that situation. Then that doesn't feel good. I would go flying. It'd be fun. Um, all right. In other news. The New York Jets are going to have a new look on offense with Mike LaFleur at the controls. Uh, they made some moves in the draft and free agency to better that positional group. Elijah Moore added in the draft in the second round. Um, a notable one because he plays a similar position to Jamison Crowder, who's been there and been a good soldier for the Jets for the last couple of years on some wretched teams. Uh SNY reported that the Jets are trying to get Crowder in his contract year to take a, quote, significant pay cut from his $10 million salary. Of course, Corey Davis is there as well, Mark. So it's not it's never a bad thing to have extra wide receivers. I think the Jets are a better team, even if you can't like figure out who's starting. And Greg, in your projected starter series, I don't know if you had Crowder in the starting lineup. I think you did. Maybe more being worked in as the season got, goes along. Uh, but they're kind of putting his feet to the fire here, asking him to take a pay cut. I mean, Moore has been getting glowing reports at their mini camps. I mean, there's people going off about how explosive he looks. So he's a slot guy. Um, I think they're looking at the $10 million, sal- million dollar salary for Crowder and saying, you're not getting this somewhere else. If we were to cut you or whatever, you're not getting it somewhere else. He has no guaranteed money. So can we find like a middle ground where we want you? You get it. We get it. Um, it would be a fair asking price. But I'm with you, Dan. I look at the if like Corey Davis stays healthy, if Denzel Mims takes another step, if Elijah Moore becomes what they say he can be, um, you've got a really interesting group of wide receivers uh, in, in, on this team. I mean, for for this new coaching staff to work with. So I think Crowder's basically on the way out. Can you keep him for one year on a reduced salary? Yeah, but you're you're much better with Crowder. I like having four yeah. instead of three, and he is he's kind of the safest among them. Just because Davis is on a new team, Moore is a rookie, Mims, we got to see. You kind of know what you have in Crowder. Uh, he has a tough decision to make because they said it's a significant pay cut. And maybe his agent is testing the market. I think he could get a decent contract elsewhere. I mean, they also paid Keelan Cole $6 million, which that move slipped under the radar. And that is the reason I would guess they feel comfortable getting rid of Crowder. My guess is he's going to get cut. I mean, he's not at, he's not at uh, the facility now. And unless he finds that no one wants to pay him, I guess that's possible. uh, There's a good chance he's gone. He would be an interesting pickup for some things that are desperate. They're like 25, 26 million under the cap. Like what, why why does this They just don't think he's that good, I guess. Um. Yeah, it's a, purely it sounds like just like a a business financial decision, but I think they're a better team with him there. And I I'm thinking this isn't he's not close obviously to Julio Jones, but he would help a team. I don't know if they if other teams are kind of monitoring the situation and they're they're thinking he's going to get cut, so why offer you know a, a late round draft pick or whatever it would take to get him? But uh, Crowder has been one of the only guys that was could make plays for the Jets the last couple of years. He's been been a little banged up, but I always liked him a lot. I think he's a good player. 
Um, in other news, you know, we have the kicker club and it's wild in the kicker club. Um, so this podcast is celebrated kickers and it's been really a nice run for kickers on the around the NFL podcast. You know, the punters, you know, we don't talk about them as much and maybe we should, maybe we should, but they don't have a club. Unfortunately, they have like, it's like a, the punters punch mixer. I call it. That's a little bit. A get together. Where is that held? It's like at the local gymna- gymnasium. <laughs> little lower octane. There's some, uh, there's some streamers and some balloons and there's a big bowl of punch and uh, some finger foods. And uh, there's a bunch of like people are doing the twist. And other it's like a middle of- school. It's a middle school right. dance, except just like mid 20s punters. Exactly. So I don't, maybe they need somebody to come in and kind of reinvigorate the thing. But you look at what's going on in the club with the kickers and it's a total party. Uh, and then you look at what's going on here at the punters punch mixer. There's room for growth. Much. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I threw it out there because I just thought, look, if if one of the top five punters and kickers in the league were getting a big, you know, market setting contract, we'd talk about it. But the punters get forgotten. I mean, who had more hype as a rookie punter than Michael Dixon? Nobody. And he's lived up to it. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember nice him punter. having a ton of hype, but I'm, I'm sure he did. Seahawks Twitter it's just was all about, he has a crazy radar. spin. He has a crazy spin and he kick, he punts it like 70 yards there. I saw a stat. They were showing like EPA per play by punters over the last three years. I think Dixon was fourth, so that shows he's, he's a yes. good punter. But you know who was number one on that list? Who's that? It was the best player on the Patriots last year. Left-footed punter Jake Bailey was number one. Uh, I mean, who fits oh, they were in more? The ball a lot for sure. At the, yeah, the <laughs> punter's all, punch all they got now. A, That's all we got is Jake Bailey now. Jake Bailey. They're like, all right, everybody clear the floor. See, Jake Bailey's taken. He's going to do the swish. They're just trying to bring out. his he's name awareness. I don't think he's really caught on nationwide as as such a great punter, but he really is, Jake. Bailey. Michael Dixon was a <laughs> Wes was a big fan of Michael Dixon, and Michael That's Dixon right. is um, also quite a marketer. He has a line of clothing products out there called Big Dixon Energy. So, and then those wow. are taking off. So, I don't know about this like sixth grade punch bowl business. Like, he seems like he's ready to you know confront the world as a man and, and take his position and take take it with pride. I mean, if he's really an enterprising young gentleman, and just to make it clear, because I don't think it was made, it's been noted here. His name's been brought up. There's an extension. It's a four year contract extension, signed on Friday. Um, if he wants any, <laughs> they used the 2018 draft pick to select the Australian punter out of UT. Uh, but they traded up to fifth round to get him. So there you go, Greg. You're nailing that. You were all over this. Uh, maybe if he's really an enterprising young man, maybe build up the punter's punch mixer. That's it. Maybe that's yeah. where he should focus. I think in. it's on him. He, next probably, wave. he has to be the most famous punter right now. I don't think there's anyone that tops him. So it's it's kind of a low. It's like a it's a low mark right now for punters. Not a lot of pop. Yeah, and uh, so there you go. Congratulations, buddy. Finally, in the news, uh, Chad Johnson boxes now. And he uh, went the distance in a four-round exhibition on Sunday night. He was uh, the opening fight of the Floyd Mayweather-Logan Paul undercard. And I, I just this is just an excuse to uh, say, what, what the f*** happened to boxing? Yeah, it's like, what's going on. I mean, what? The fact that this was a pay-per-view event on a Sunday night, by the way, what's that all about? Um, with a YouTube star, Logan Paul, and a 44-year-old retired Floyd Mayweather. Like we had our we had uh, our old buddy Mike Coppinger, um, who used to work for NFL Media, and now is you know doing very well for himself covering boxing. I'm wondering, like, if you're a boxing purist, like somebody, and I grew up uh, like you guys did late 80s and it was awesome Mike Tyson was coming up and it was a great heavyweight division you had this phenom that you could build the sport around in the heavyweight division um but I'm no expert and I I fall and I wonder if like the boxing purists out there when this is the biggest story around the sport that's gotta hurt I mean that's gotta hurt anyway but Chad Johnson is one of these guys on the card and it's just like not only do you have YouTubers against retired guys that have fought like once in five years, and that's Floyd Mayweather, and even that, his last match was against the MMA guy, guy um, the Irishman. What's his name? 
Connor, Connor McGregor, Connor got, McGregor. It's got like hundred million. What out are of we this, doing apparently? here? And we paid for that. I remember we all watched that together. That that fight. But uh, I don't know. I'm not bagging on you know another sport because I know there's lovers out there. But it's crazy to me that Chad Johnson is on the undercard of this biggest match uh, of the year. My my only note though would be I do think with boxing because it's accessible to anyone. I mean, all sorts of people get into fights outside of bars and taverns. Like anyone could box if they wanted to. So there is, I, if you're going to be like a professional boxing circuit, stay away from this. But in general, like would I pay $50 to see like Greg and Dan um, spar for, I don't know how many rounds that would last, maybe one, two, but like. It was like a uh, mailbag question. I'm gonna I would, I would, I well, would no, hope so. I mean, I think that there is something about like, you know, pairing wacky, um, you know, individuals against each other in the ring. I like the idea that when Erica right. comes in and like hits Dan with a chair, something, you know, it's somewhere between WWE and an actual sport. And they're so and Floyd Mayweather, Pablo Torre made a great point of like, he sort of was a YouTube star before YouTube stars is like, he's getting people to pay money, even though they're always like disappointed by his fights by doing all this crazy stuff off the, you know, out of the ring. And then people pay their money and they're, they're a little dissatisfied, but it's like, that's, that that's what he's been doing his entire career. It's very strange. The the most interesting part of the Chad Johnson thing was though, not only was it against uh, Nate Robinson, you know, and, and he, he got a, or no, not against Nate Robinson rather. Um, it was some MMA guy. It was supposed to be against Pac-Man Jones, but Pac-Man uh, Chad Ochocinco wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it against Pac-Man. He wasn't confident enough against Pac-Man. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get in there against Pac-Man either. I mean, I guess if you want to turn it into like pro wrestling spectacle, it's fine that this is the direction, but this is the sweet science. Right. Not but they're not was. like going for belts. They're somewhere in between because I think there's an idea that, you know, Floyd Mayweather is you know trying to help Logan Paul look good here and then like sign him to his company and they might do it again. And it's like all just sort of for fun. And Said Chad, Chad Johnson after the fight, I lost my virginity tonight and it was fun. I think I'm ready for McGregor. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) That's what's happening in the news. I got him on like old guys shaking hands and shouting at the clouds about this, but you know, you better when sports is as a sports fan, uh, like all encompassing. um, I enjoy sports more when there's like a fun boxing vibe going on. It's been a while. Um, All right, before we go. our friend, friend of the show, Kyle Brent, is in Australia right now, and we talk about our uh, our fans are all over the world. And although I kid about some of the mailbag questions I tend to get, um, we absolutely love and appreciate our overseas fans because they are everywhere, including Australia. So Kyle is there because Kyle's career is blown up, and he's got. It's a little bit, I think the project is a little mysterious what it is exactly, but he's he's in Australia. He's been quarantining for two weeks, staying in a hotel. Um, he had to do that um, to satisfy the COVID-19 protocols down there, where Australia, if I'm not mistaken, has really done well in that realm with COVID. It has not been anything like it's been in a lot of other places in the world. Um, and uh, he is doing, Kyle, Good Morning Football, from Australia this week with uh, tapings for him at like 11 p.m., 6 a.m. in New York with the rest of the gang. Anyway, this is a clip from that show that was sent my way uh, when Kyle was talking about uh, once he was allowed back into society in Australia, this is what happened. Hi, mate. And I turn, it's just some guy, it's an Australian guy returning home. And he goes, I like your show, mate. And I was like, oh, wow, you watch Good Morning Football? I'm so flattered. That's incredible. I mean, that's, I didn't know you guys have it on. It's really great. And he goes, Hey, you want to know my favorite part? And I go, yeah, I'm wondering, is it like, you know, one of our like wacky segments or is it like the banter at the table? Like, what is this Australian man about to say is his favorite part of good morning football. And he goes, Hey, I like Dan Hensis. And I go, Oh, really? (laughs) You like Dan Hensis. That's uh, that's that's cool. Dan's great on the show. Like that's a show. It's called it's not ATN. That's what I expected you to say. But he does come on a lot during the season. Yeah, I walk around the NFL, mate. And I was like, wow, what an incredible. I'm sorry I'm not Greg Rosenthal. I wish I could be. Sorry to disappoint you, dude. But anyway, Dan, Greg, all the guys, you got a huge fan down here. Some bloke and Aussie loves Dan Hensis. Dan, you're the best. That's my story. Wow. <laughs> 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 what was that, Mark? 
Dan, Greg, and all the guys. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. The look on Mark's face right now, he is, uh, he's furious. He's not happy that around the NFL got some nice good morning football pop, um, that the no, fans are, that are, are more excited about us than thinks Kyle is on our show or something. Who knows? Uh, he's just mad he didn't get mentioned there. I'm not mad at all. I'm sorry, and I, Mark. Like, I, I wish you know, you one, did, one of the three of us actually like left college, his second college that he transferred to to go to Australia for six months. You know, I feel a special connection to the country, but this, this uh, bloke down there uh, apparently oh, could no. care less. So. Wait, you spent some time in Australia? I've never heard about this. Let's. Well, I'm, I, you know, for new listeners, that's. Were you born in England? Thing. No. Like if you, missed, too, if you missed the 1,100 shows until now. You're just joining now. I do want to see what he's up to down there. I think it's interesting and mysterious. And, and he's I, a friend I mean, of our show. So, if we have a random dude, and whoever you are, dude, way to go! Good job. Thanks for supporting us um, all these years. I mean, we're trying to get back to London. We want to go to Germany. There's a lot of talk about games being played in Germany this year. Man, let's just go for it. Let's go down to Australia and get loose. Who's paying for this? I don't know. Well, you is, know the, I, the beer is like much more potent and powerful down there. It's not this like grocery store, like American beer with like a lower alcohol percentage. It is high octane, and it leaves you wondering where you are. Trust me. I'm going. I'm. I. I have like that's the number one place I want to go with my family. Uh, in the summer, it'll probably be more of this our summertime. Their winter, go check out some koalas. Walker super into once they open the restrictions. I'm thinking next summer. But I uh, just like. Well, let's I go as like an NFL team too. My. Uh, totally like shaded american viewpoint of australia is that if you go in the ocean there's a one in two chance you're eaten by a shark that's no, like what i know no, about australia no but i don't think that's right but i the think shark, there's, it's pretty prevalent sharks kill down there. under sharks kill under 10 people globally throughout no, every it's, year i think Annual. it's 10 people a day in australia no like, it's under that's, 10. <laughs> sharks get a, such a bad rap they're not gonna bug you if you don't bug them there's a lot more animals uh that are a lot more dangerous. there's a there's a check it out in the los angeles times last month to your point greg uh because sharks are endangered because of a lot of misconceptions that i am also now spewing but uh what we're learning now drone technology they're sending drones over the pacific ocean off the coast of los angeles and we're learning that great whites are everywhere. Like sharks are mm-hmm. everywhere. Like, and we did, never knew because Close you never the saw them. Like within a hundred feet them. of the shore. And most importantly, they're not attacking you. Like if you watch Jaws too many times, as I did as a kid, you just assume that to be the case. Anyway, thank you to Australia. Thank you to Kyle Brand, who's always been so cool uh, to us and to this show. And I'm sorry, Mark, that he didn't bring you up, but you know, he, he did. I, it's all, I'm all, I'm the, all the other guys. So he did name drop me in a sense. <laughs> We're good. This one's going to be with you for the rest of the day. I'm sorry. Perfect hey, way to end a Monday. It's got to be a year. We'll bring it up when Kyle's on the show next. I mean, this is, we'll get some not a one day story. Yeah. <laughs> the best <laughs> part right. he's probably was like searching for the name of the third guy. He's like, <laughs> uh, I can't remember that guy's name. <laughs> That is not true. All right. Good stuff. Mark, you know, this, this podcast does not exist without a Mark Sessler. Well, we could find out, but I, so far it doesn't, but that we don't know what's down the road. Um, All right. Good stuff. We'll be back on Thursday. We have something cooking Thursday. Ricky, we don't want to reveal it, right? Because we're, no, it's just going to happen. Be a surprise, but it's Ricky's um, recipe here that we're going to be following. Right. So, you know, that, that's a little bit scary in a way, but that's it's the off season. This is where you you know you you follow Ricky's path and you see where it takes you, uh, and it might even take us, you know, out of the virtual reality that we live in right now. Oof, so I'm looking forward nice. to that. Um, and no NFL Network show this week. We're on a two week hiatus from that. So if you want your around the NFL fix uh, after today's show, Thursday's pod. That's where you get it. All right, good stuff. Dan Hansen signing off for. Quiet storm. Mark Sessler is the name. <laughs> Learn it. Uh, and the old boss. Of course, Ricky Hollywood. Until Thursday, keep the call.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit bostonproper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper, wear it like no one else.